not suffer from that even more than Christmas. Um, you know, while we do enjoy a great meal and, and time with family, um, and, and now, of course, the commercialization of it with all the shopping and the sales and that sort of thing, um, let's not forget this Thursday that it's still about a day of giving thanks. Amen. And let's make sure that um, you can have thankfulness in your heart but not speak it out of your mouth. Um, or you can speak it out of your mouth and not have it in your heart. Uh, the winning combination is when we're inwardly grateful and express that outwardly uh, with words and, and verbally. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, open them with me. <coughs> Excuse me, to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. And um, this is our uh, golden text, if you will. I got that golden text expression for Kenneth Copeland. Amen. Um, anytime you hear him preach and teach on a series, he'll... He'll have the, I, I used to call it our springboard. I just like golden text better, amen. Uh, this is one of our multiple golden texts for this study. And the study is involving oneness and, and not just our oneness or unity with one another, but the greater oneness is our oneness with God and it's our oneness with Him that enables us to have unity and oneness with um, one another. So Hebrews chapter 2 in verse number 10, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And we said that sometimes when you look up a word in you know, its original language, the, the original definition of the word, the meaning of the word, that it can sometimes, you know, carry a different weight. In other words, even when you look at how words have changed um, over the years in our language, uh, I mean, some of the older people in the room remember when, when cool actually meant a temperature, um, where now we can use cool to mean something's really like Pastor Rick's got a cool new truck, you know, that, that kind of thing, right? Um, and, and so, you know, you look these words up in their original meaning to make sure that what it means to us is what it originally meant. And what we find is something slightly different. And that is that it doesn't just mean one, but this word means one and the same. One and the same. So it's not um, a lesser meaning, but it's actually an even deeper, richer stronger meaning of what these verses here are communicating to us. Now, of course, Jesus being the captain of our salvation, the Bible says that he's brought many sons to glory. Amen. To glory now. And that doesn't, glory is not, you know, we, we talk about so-and-so went on to glory. Amen. And, and we use glory as interchangeable for heaven. And, um, and, and that's, that's really not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about leading many sons to heaven but he's talking about leading many sons to their highest and best life. Um, the glory of a thing is when that thing is operating and functioning at its highest level as intended by its creator, manufacturer, fabricator, whatever. And, uh, and of course, God is our creator. And Jesus, the captain of our salvation, the leader of our salvation, has led many sons to their highest and best. Um, that which God had in mind for us when he created us that we fell short of. Remember, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus came to restore us back to that original intent, that original design. And we see that he has done this 
um, through his suffering. And of course, what we see in John 17 is that Jesus, as a man, received something from the Father, and that is that he received authority over all flesh. And what that literally means is the right and the ability to do something on behalf of all humanity. Jesus is our substitutionary representative. He came as the last Adam to represent the entire human race and do something for all of us. God gave him both the right and the might, the ability to do that. That's what that word authority means. Authority over all flesh is the, is the, uh, the position. Like, for instance, you may want to do something for somebody, but you don't, you don't have the authority to do it. Or you may have the authority to do it, but not have the ability to do it. Jesus was given authority and ability, the right, the privilege, and the power to do something on behalf of all humanity. That's why the Bible says, when one died, all died. What he did as, as us and for us, amen, he did on behalf of us. So that now, when we call upon him, we receive for ourselves what he did as our substitute. Does that make sense? Okay. So he goes on to say, for both he who sanctifies, God is the one who sanctifies, and those who are being sanctified, that would be you and me, um, all of one and the same. We're his people now. We're, we're the bride of Christ. We, we, we are um, the body of Christ. He's speaking of oneness here, our oneness with God, for which reason he is not ashamed to now call us brethren, to call us members of his family. Now, we've made a couple of statements throughout our study, and I felt compelled to go back to those this morning as, as we begin. And the first statement is this, Father desires and expects far more from a relationship with you than has ever entered your wildest imagination. Okay, again, we're talking about the relationship that Father desires and expects from you. And we're not just talking about sacrifice and, and, and obedience and, and service here. We're talking about something, again, that exceeds more than you've ever been able to think or imagine. God created you with the desire and expectation of, number one, loving you, the desire and expectation of giving himself to you, the desire and expectation, number three, of being one with you, and the desire and expectation of filling you with his fullness by literally sharing all that he is and all that he has with you. Now, for those of you who weren't here, we, we spent uh, a couple of weeks going through all the different verses that support what is condensed now or packed into that one statement. Again, I want that to wash over you this morning. We said that he desires and expects far more from a relationship with you than as, as ever entered your wildest imagination. And so God created you with a desire. He had a desire. You were born of desire. Amen. A desire in God's heart. When I say God, I mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God created you with a desire... And he also had expectations. Amen. He had expectations. Are you hearing me this morning? He had expectations. He, he didn't just say, well, let's just see how this thing works. No. He, he had desire and expectations. Desire for you, expectations for you. Amen. Remember, it's not that he's expecting more from you. That's, that's so much how we look at this. Our religion has programmed our minds to think that God is expecting more, for, more from me, more from me. For, no, it's not that he's expecting more from you. He's expecting more for you. 
expecting more for you. Amen. And so he created you with a desire and expectation, number one, of loving you. You were created by God who is love to be the object of his affection. He created you to love you. He created you to give himself to you. He created you with a desire and expectation of being one with you and filling you with his fullness by literally sharing all that he is and all that he has with you. So in our current study, we're growing in the truth of our oneness with God, growing in the truth of our oneness with God. Now, I got lots and lots of verses this morning, but after I had assembled all those verses, I just really felt like the Lord, some stuff that I'd been working on a few weeks back, and I just really felt the Holy Spirit early this morning kind of bringing a lot of that back to the surface. I thought maybe we'd look at it at a later date, but at least I want us to, to, to begin with it this morning. And so with that said, I, I may just talk to you for a few minutes, and, um, but I'm really asking the Holy Spirit to help us today, and I want you to get in faith with me about that. Um, have, have you ever had one of those experiences in your life where it's like all of a sudden something dawned on you? Um, you know what I mean by that? Dawned, it, dawned, it dawned on me. Or we may could communicate that by calling it a light bulb moment where something all of a sudden it's like a switch turned on inside of you. And, and uh, sometimes in those moments I'm like, man, where have I been my whole life? How, how have I not seen this before? How have I not recognized this before or, or, or come to the understanding of this before? And that, that's what I mean by our faith because the Holy Spirit is the one who does that. Um, it, it, you know, certainly I want to do the best job I can possibly do in communicating this to you. Um, but we could have the most brilliant communicator who ever lived. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't help us connect the dots, we're, we're, the dots are never going to be connected. Because it's not connecting them in our head, it's connecting them in our heart. Amen. And so we're talking about things here that go beyond logic, that go beyond human rationale. Amen. We're talking about things now of the Spirit. And when we're talking about things of the Spirit, we're talking about things that we absolutely positively must have the Holy Spirit's help in leading us and guiding us into a fuller understanding, a fuller awareness, a fuller recognition of these things. Now, among some of the most lofty questions in human existence um, have to do with, you know, why am I here? And, and I, don't, I don't just mean why am I here in this room this morning. I mean like, why am I here on planet Earth? And not just why am I here, but why are any of us here? Um, I know that a lot of people try to carry that debate down the pathway of how did we get here. Um, and, and from this, we come up with all kinds of thoughts and, and theories um, that really, when it's all said and done, come back to, from the world's perspective anyway, that there was a time when there was absolutely nothing and somehow absolutely nothing exploded and it was a really big explosion and here we all are. Well, I don't, I, again, and you say, well, Pastor Mark, you're just making light of that. You know, there's, there's science, there's, the, yeah, but see, again, if you follow that science all the way back, if you follow those theories all the way back, it still leads you to that one dead end. Right, and, and we're not just talking about mat matter here that exists. Okay, we're, we're talking about reality, consciousness, heavy things here, okay? And so the only logical answer 
to me, and again, we're talking about something that goes beyond logic, is that there has to be someone smarter than us and bigger than us who designed all of this. It, everything about you screams purpose, and yet how do we, how do we um, you know, reconcile everything about us screaming purpose with it was randomness that produced us? You, you, in other words, it, it just randomly happened, luck of the draw, um, so many planets, so many stars. You, you, are you following what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of like the guy who, you know, who was talking about um, he could create life and was telling God he could create life. And, and, um, and God says, oh, okay, well, look, give it your best shot. And the guy reaches down and starts to form the dirt. And God says, uh-uh-uh, get your own dirt. All right, get your own dirt. You see, God didn't just create a being. He created a being who could create from the earth an iPad. Do you realize everything in this sophisticated computer tablet that I hold in my hand, somebody dug it out of the ground, mined it out of the earth, and refined it and fabricated it and envisioned it and figured out a way to connect it and power it and program it Right? So it's not just creating something, but create something that can create something. Are, are you following what I'm saying this morning? Now, I get too carried away down that line. But I, I, again, I'm talking about that, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm, I'm here to talk about, because I believe if we'll talk about it on this level, it'll help us understand that level even. And that's not just how do we get here, but why are we here? Why are we here? So for a moment, if you're struggling, I don't think you'd be at church on a Sunday morning if you're struggling with that, but, but again, if you're struggling with our origin, again, um, everything about you screams intelligence, everything about you screams purpose and design, so how could it come from randomness and lack of intelligence? But anyway, um, but why do I exist? What is my purpose? What is life all about? And I'm offering to you this morning that any answer that we come up with, even if it's from the Bible, if that answer lands short of oneness with God, it is at best an incomplete answer. Now, I know that's a strong statement, but as we've already stated, God created you from a desire with expectations. He created you for a purpose, and the Bible says in the book of Ephesians and in other places that the purpose for your existence is eternal. In other words, the purpose for you began before you and will continue long after life no longer exists on this planet as we now know it. I know I'm feeding you some heavy stuff this morning, but let's chew on it, all right? So again, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why do I ex exist? What is life all about? Any answer that lands short of oneness with God is at best an incomplete answer, even if that answer comes from the Bible. God created you from a desire for oneness and personal fellowship with you. You were created by Him to become one with Him. Life in general, and your existence in particular, will never make sense until you look at it from this perspective. Now, obviously, probably as much as anything I've ever struggled with teaching, and those of you who've been here from the beginning of this series, 
you know that we have, you know, taken this uh, easy. I know some of you who, who are more mature, you know, are like, Pastor, would you just go ahead and spit it out already, you know? And, 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 and yet, you know, we, we've tried to ease our way into these things um, because they're, they're strong, a strong truth. And, um, and, and for a lot of folks, it, 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 you know, it has a tendency to, to be divisive. Divisive. And, I, and I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm not trying to be divisive. And, and this, don't miss what I'm saying this morning because, you know, I, I think even to my own error, confessing my own error this morning is that, you know, we, we put this whole concept of our oneness with God as the Bible spells it out for us, in this category of extreme truth, in this category of, you know, only for those who are spiritually mature, what have you. And man, that, that just goes to show how the devil has so built arguments against this and, and how deceptive he can be when it comes to this truth. And, and so, again, any understanding of why you exist that lands short of oneness with God is at best an incomplete answer. I believe it is the truth that unlocks, completely unlocks, the reason for our very existence. Now, let me try to work through in the time that I have remaining just a few things, okay? No other answer makes sense. And let me try to explain to you what I mean by that. So, you know, why are we here? Why do we exist? Why did God create you? Why did God create mankind in general? Why did He create you individually and specifically? Well, some could say, well, you know, God created us to serve Him. And we could make a case from the Bible that we were created by God to serve God. Could we not make that case this morning? So I'm not saying that that answer is wrong, but I'm telling you that it's incomplete. In other words, that's not the only reason God created you. Our service to Him is at best secondary. Our service to Him is at best secondary. Are you hearing me this morning? Our obedience to Him... As important as it is, is at least secondary to the primary purpose for which He created us. And if you don't believe me, the Bible says it's only the willing and obedient who will eat the good of the land. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. In other words, there are a lot of people who struggle to, to live a life obedient to God whose hearts are far removed from Him. They do it, but they do it grudgingly. I mean, how many folks are in church this morning, both here and in the city of Hueytown, for that matter, in, in the United States? How many people are in church this morning because they want to be there? Do you understand what I'm saying? So, again... When we, when we talk about why are we here, to just simply say we're here to serve God, we're here to obey Him, let me, let me ask you a question. What could we possibly do for Him 
that he is incapable of doing for himself. Not to mention, without all the doubt, unbelief, disobedience, procrastination, and complaining. Have you ever just done something yourself rather than getting somebody else to do it who maybe it was even their job to do it, but you knew if you asked them to do it, they were going to give you so much grief, they were going to complain about it so much, they, they were going to procrastinate it so far out into the, into the future that you just went ahead and did it yourself. This idea that God had some great mission that He needed us to fulfill that could not be fulfilled without us, again, that does not uh, line up with Scripture. I know I've asked you to, to stretch your heart and mind around a lot of things this morning, but you do realize that God is an eternal God. He is an uncreated God, that He existed in eternity past as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and He was just fine. He got along okay. So this idea that He created us because He needed us to serve Him, He needed somebody to obey Him, again, what could we possibly do that He's not capable of doing Himself? Others will say, well, He created us to, to worship Him. Again, we could make a case for that in Scripture. That would be a true answer but it is only partially true in the sense that, again, just like obedience and service, there are a lot of people who serve out of fear. There are a lot of people who serve out of obligation. There are a lot of people who serve God and obey Him because they're trying to uh, futilely, I might add, make themselves right before God in God's eyes. There are a lot of people, they may not say it this bluntly, but Romans 4 plainly says that they're serving God and obeying God because they're trying to put God in their debt. They're trying to, to get God to owe them some answer, some favor, some blessing, some miracle. They're trying to serve Him and obey Him in, in, in a futile effort to make themselves righteous. That's called self-righteousness, and it's unacceptable and never will be accepted by God. No other answer makes sense even the answer that we were created by God to worship Him. Because again, in order to worship Him, you've got to recognize who He is in your heart and who you truly are in relationship to Him. So it's not enough just to recognize that He's the Creator of the universe, that He's the one and only true God, if you don't understand who you are in relationship to Him, or let me say it another way, who you are in His eyes, who you created Him to be. If you believe He's the one and only true God, and you believe you're just an old sinner saved by grace, then again, that's not worship. If you do not understand who you are in relationship to Him, it's not worship. Now, the Bible makes it clear as well that if it was just more worship that he needed, he already had angels to serve that purpose. And I'm not trying to offend anyone, but 
It's not the same. I understand that. We sing songs about that here at Heritage. There's just something about your praise. Because your praise is offered to Him voluntarily. But if we're only just talking about worship for worship's sake, He already had angels that could do that and quite honestly could do it a lot better than us. I mean, they just 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not that there's a calendar or clock in heaven, it's timeless there, but they just, you know, they're there going around and around and around the throne of God worshiping Him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Certainly they're more consistent. And for that matter, could I just stretch you a little more this morning? It's not until the book of Hebrews that we find out that angels were not just created to serve God. They were actually created by God to serve you and me. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve the heirs of salvation? Me and you, we are, I am, you are heirs of salvation and the angels of God were created by God to serve and help you and me. You ever heard that expression, us four and no more? That's kind of like when a group of people, they, they, they get close to one another and they just kind of like to, kind of like to do their own thing. John, Mark, and Jesse, cousins, they lived across the street from one another. They were very, very close when they were kids. And we had to watch them on that, right? Because they played together and spent so much time together that they, and they so enjoyed one another's company. They got along so well that, you know, sometimes anybody else want to play with them, they were like, go mind your own business. Leave me alone, right? We're, we're in the middle of a galactic battle here with our Star Wars figures and, and you know. Because God is love, that is certainly not His attitude. But when you understand the glory and the, and the, and the love and, and the oneness and, and the joy and the peace and the fulfillment and the contentment and the satisfaction that is the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I don't, I don't mean to offend anybody. They got everything they needed from one another. Anything that they created, in other words, if they had the power to create that thing to do it for them, they also had the power to do whatever it was. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not sure you are. Amen. In other words, anything that God would have created you and me to do, He could do with just speaking. I mean, why go to the, all this trouble? And don't you think we haven't caused Him any trouble? We have, we have been in lots of trouble. Amen or me on that one? You say, well, He created us to rule over us. He created us so that He could have more things to rule over. See, now, that answer right there really reveals a cluelessness about who God is. 
Because that's a worldly understanding of leadership or rulership or, or authority over. Jesus said in the world, those who are kings, those who are ruling over other people, they consider that th those that they rule over as benefactors. In other words, because I'm in charge, everybody I'm over exists to serve me. Everybody that I'm over exists to cater to me. That's not how it is in the kingdom. In the kingdom, to be promoted over people means you exist to serve them. The people you, you are promoted over do not exist for your benefit. You exist for their benefit. This idea that God created us for His benefit so that He would have more people and more things to rule over is ridiculous. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God, the heart of love, says I'm, I'm in a position of authority over you not so that I can benefit from you, but so that I can serve you and you can benefit from me. So any, anybody that God created, God created from this heart and from this attitude. He didn't create you to be served by you. He created you to serve you. He created you not for His benefit. He created you for your benefit. He created you to love you. He created you to share Himself with you. He created you to, to fill you with everything He's full of. You ever been so happy you thought you would bust? You ever been so full of joy that you didn't think you could contain yourself? You ever been so happy and so so content and so satisfied in life that you wish people that you love could experience some of what you're experiencing in that moment? That was what motivated God to create us. He was so happy. He was so full of joy. He was so satisfied. He was so full of peace. He was so full of glory and contentment and love that He couldn't contain Himself. So He created you and me like Him and from Himself so that He could then share that goodness, that love, that mercy, that grace, that joy, that peace, that wealth, that glory with us. Amen. Do we really think God is insecure and needed a bunch of us to tell Him how great He is? We don't even know how great He is to tell Him how great He is. We are ill-equipped to tell God how great He is because we don't know the half of it. Your best praise falls a million miles short. You've had somebody try to tell a story about you, you know, it's like, Let's say you were the hero and in the football game and you scored 12 touchdowns. And somebody who's bragging about you says, yeah, yeah, man, Michael scored two touchdowns. Well, is that, is that giving Michael credit? Is that giving Mike? No, Michael didn't score two touchdowns. He scored 12 touchdowns. Now, Michael would be humble. He wouldn't correct the person. Well, actually, he got it wrong. It was 12, but it's, no. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we're, we're trying to brag about how great God is, and we have no comprehension of how great He is. 
So the idea that He created us for this, but also I think for some folks, their understanding of why we're here can only equal God being insecure. And He is anything but insecure. To say He simply created us to rule over us would suggest also that he is insecure and since he is all-knowing and would have known beforehand the heartbreak and pain from our rebellion and resistance, why would he put himself through it? If it was just a matter of making us obey him, could he not whip us into shape in a matter of seconds? How quick do you think you would learn to obey if every time you disobeyed you lost oxygen for 90 seconds? Right? Every time you did something you wasn't supposed to do, the oxygen was turned off for almost two minutes. Right at the point, some people just pass out. Revive them real quick, right? Wouldn't take us long to figure out what we needed to do and what we didn't need to do, right? And if his desires and motivations were only for servants and obedience and worship or subjects to rule over, then why create us like and from himself? Why not just create us like the angels or even better still, create more angels? You were created by God to have and enjoy personal fellowship with him to have and enjoy the same kind of oneness and fellowship with the Father that Jesus has and enjoys. If the singers, musicians would come, please. I'm going to plant this thought in your mind as they're coming. In the Bible we see, we could call it the story of creation or if you prefer, the account of creation. And there is certainly a lot for us to learn from that story. We can learn about the power of the God who created us. We can can learn, um, at least initially, about Him creating us in His image and in His likeness. He created us after himself and from himself. We see that that God is a God of dominion and he gave dominion to us. We also see that he gave us some royal mandates from heaven. And again, a lot can be learned from those royal mandates. So again, do not misunderstand me. There's a lot that we can learn from the story of creation. But the Bible is not just a story of creation. As a matter of fact, if it's a story about anything, it's a story about redemption. It's a story about redemption. There are laws of physics that we're still discovering. God knew them all before he created the heavens and the earth. He didn't write this book to give us a long, detailed explanation of creation. 
He provided this book for us because it's, our, it's his story of redemption. Now, what I'm going to compare, we'll begin next Sunday morning, is what we learn about his heart for us from creation. And we do learn some things, but nothing to compare with what we learn from the story of redemption. You can create something and have zero emotional attachment to it. What begins at creation, the heart of our Heavenly Father is fully revealed at redemption. Creation tells us He wanted us bad enough to create us. Redemption tells us that He wanted us bad enough for one of the members of the Trinity to come and die to give us the opportunity to become one with Him. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fathers, we stand before you this morning. We ask you to help us, Father. Help us connect with these truths, Lord. Help us, Father, as Jesus said, be willing to be willing. Are we willing to at least be willing? If we're not willing right now, are we willing to be willing at some point? Father, in, in, instead of pulling away from you where these truths are concerned, Father, may we at least begin to, to lean into these truths to hear Father, not just your voice, but to hear your heart. To hear your heart. Father, our lives, every single one of them, the young people sometimes say, Lord, every single one of them is a hot mess. Lord, just in shambles. And yet you loved us through it all. You sent Jesus to die in our place. Just to give us the opportunity to be yours again. To be one with you again. Father, help us in such a religiously minded world in which we live, a religiously minded day and age, help us to dare to believe. Dare to believe. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing together before we're dismissed. If you're here this morning, you'd like someone to pray with you. These altars are open. We... We sometimes give real official formal altar calls, but really any, anything in your life, it's, this is a place of freedom. Amen. It's a place of freedom. But the Holy Spirit, His presence is here this morning. Father God would love nothing more than to roll up His sleeves and get busy in your life this morning. If there's something you need some help with, He's here to help you. Amen. Bless worship Him before we're dismissed.